Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood in Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And this is part two of my interview with Katie Gerritsen. Katie is a director, and she has been through the wars. And it is not easy to be a director, and it is even harder to be a woman director. Well, she has certainly survived and thrived. She has, among her many credits, 11 episodes of Frasier, The Odd Couple, Fuller House, Two Broke Girls, oh, we're going to get into that, School of Rock, The George Lopez Show, Reba, Girlfriends, and many, many more. We're going to delve more into directing in this episode and also... I teased this last week, but uh, you know how much I hated Two Broke Girls. Well, she directed Two Broke Girls, and uh, we'll talk about that. If you missed part one, after you listen to this part, go back and check that out. And also, if you might remember a couple of weeks ago when I had Rob Long on the show, well, we talked about firing Frank Langella off of a pilot. And Katie happened to work on that pilot. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Part two with Katie Gerritsen this week on Hollywood and Levine. Actors test you. I found that to be the case myself on a couple of occasions. Because when you're a freelance director and you walk on the set of this show, it's like you're the substitute teacher. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a perf- I've used that same analogy that I'm. They've a all teacher. been working yeah. together for all this time, and now you come on, and they wonder, okay, are you any good? And there have mm-hmm. been a couple of occasions where I have been tested by uh-huh. actors. Uh, have you had that? Oh, oh, God! And yes. how do you, how do you deal with that? Any any kind of fun stories? I have a fun story, but I'll let you tell yours first. Oh, I'm going to have to think about that. I mean, having a sense of humor really goes a long way. But, yeah, I'm that first day of rehearsal is always the most important day because that's when you're setting your tone on set. That's when the cast and the crew are figuring you out. I've reached a point now to where I go on a show and I actually know most of the people that are there. But that hasn't always been the case. And... I, one of the biggest challenges is learning people's names because you're the only new person and there are a hundred new people to you. That's right. And so learning what people do and what their names are and, and um, yeah, I've been tested a lot. 
uh, I think publicly second-guessing the director is the biggest way that, that they are tested. Uh, I worked on, I did some George Lopez, and George is a real guy's guy, and they had not had a lot of female directors, if, if any. Uh, and, and I remember him questioning a direction, piece of direction I gave on the first day, and I defended myself, and I think I made a joke about it, and he laughed, and that, and we moved on, and it was great. But I, I remember feeling like, ah, he's testing me, and you know, you, you just got to be strong. If you're, if they, if they can walk all over you, they will. And I think a lot of people think that, like, you come from the writing ranks, I come from the AD ranks, that we're there to as because we're friends with somebody or to fill a quota in my case and they don't really think we've earned that that position or that we're really serious directors when we are and so you know i i I think a sense of humor goes a long way i think being and firm in your views but but open to discussion uh but it is it's 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 something I faced quite a few times. So so tell me your funny story. Okay, this was uh, my first day on Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. And I wound up doing a bunch of them. But on my first day, there was a scene that was supposed to be in the backyard, mm-hmm. which was on the stage. And it was supposed to be like a funeral for a hamster. So <laughs> everybody was in that scene. And we had a rain effect. We were actually going to pour rain on everybody uh-huh. so it's the first day of rehearsal and the um first ad says we have the rain effect if you want to use the rain effect i said no we don't need the rain effect today this is just the first day so i place everybody where i wanted to be and i went to peter boyle so you're over here and then doris roberts you're over here and uh-huh. then i'll have patty and then i'll have ray and i'll have brad and and um and Peter says, well, no, I want to be here. And he, like, moves around, like, between Brad and Ray. Uh-huh. And I said, well, see, you have lines, private lines with Doris, and uh, you'd be talking them across to people. I think it's better to be where, where you want to be. And he goes, no, I can make that work. And I said, no, I really think you should... Be next to Doris. No, I, I want to stay here. I said, okay, fine. And then I said to the first AD, okay, change of plans. I want to do the rain effect, oh my God. but right <laughs> over Peter. Nobody else, just Peter right here. And he laughed, and then he moved over to where <laughs> where I wanted awesome. him to go in the first place. There and, you go. The and that was fine. That's great. That was fine. But that's a very similar situation where they say, no, I want it this way, or why are you doing it that way? And you defended yourself, you made a joke out of it, and and it all worked out fine. Yeah. When I directed directed Frasier, and I've known Kelsey for a million years, Uh and there was a scene in Cafe Nervosa, and there were two Cafe Nervosas. There was like the... The little and the big. The little one, yeah. <laughs> uh, when there were other sets, you know, and, you know, they, they could only squeeze in a little bit of Cafe Nervosa or uh-huh. the big set. And we had the big set that week. 
And Kelsey wanted to sit like right at the end, like up against a counter. And I wanted him to sit uh, in the, the table right next to it so that you could see everybody in the background, that oh. it had some depth, and we could take advantage of the fact that it was the big Cafe Nervosa. And he was like, well, I don't know. I think, uh, And finally, I just said, oh, Kelsey, just get the fuck over there. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> oh, works, Come on, it? get yeah. over there. <laughs> and he laughed and he, he got over there. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Which you know, episode did you But it you helps that, that, you know, I knew him for a million years yes, before yes. that. You know, yes. I wouldn't say to Ray Romano on his first day, hey, Ray, just get the fuck over here, man. Yeah, 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 yeah that's great. Which which episode did you direct on, on Frasier? Um, Roz and the Schnoz. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite episodes. I Thank love you. that. One of my favorite lines when you, John Mahoney's in the kitchen. He's just met the two people that have ginormous noses. And... <laughs> and one of those people says out in the living room, mmm, something smells good. What's that smell? And John Mahoney says, probably Japan. <laughs> it just killed me. Uh, great episode. Oh, that's a good one. So you've also done some kid shows like Fuller House. And it seems that's a whole different ball game because there's a lot of physical stunts and things yeah. that usually happen in those kind of shows. So you really have to have some physical comedy chops to do a good job on those well, shows. Well, you do. And it's funny because when I first started getting meetings for kids' shows, which I love to do um, usually, uh, th- sometimes in the meetings they'd say, well, you know, it's not Frasier. And I would say I'm well aware of that. And their point being that, Kids shows are completely different than the adult sitcoms. They have those short attention spans and they kind of nurture them with a gag or a special effect, a visual effect, a stunt. Every uh, There's like three or four, and we're not talking little stuff like somebody pushes somebody. We're talking about explosions and slime and big stuff and all throughout. So you've got the same amount of time to shoot it. And you've got so many elements that go into every show and you've got kid working hours because child labor laws are such that you can only work with children a certain amount of hours per day mm-hmm. and they have to have their hours for school uh, in the schoolroom. So you've got it's it's really fast paced. There's a lot of elements and the bummer of all of that is that you literally make a third of the money on kids' shows right. than you do <laughs> on a show like Frasier or Everybody Loves Raymond because it's basic cable rates as opposed to broadcast rates. So it's kind of blood money sometimes, but it could be really fun. Fuller House was a handful. Uh, we did a lot of pre-shooting on that show. We would pre-shoot the entire episode on Thursday, every single scene just to have it in the can, and then we, would pre- then we would shoot the entire episode again. We didn't do playback in front of the audience, gags and all. Every once in a while, they would play back a scene, like I did a big tomato soup bath with puppies and actors that <laughs> we, we couldn't really do in front of the audience. But, yeah, it, it was a handful. 
I'm sure Blake Edwards would say, that's the show I should have been directing. Yes, I'm sure. Oh, God, that would have been an interesting mix. <laughs> <laughs> so going through your IMDb, mm-hmm. I noticed that you were the first AD on the pilot of Love and Money. And I bring the that super. up because last week on this podcast, I had Rob Long. Rob Long, yeah. And we <gasps> talked about firing Frank Langella <laughs> and oh, you were there for that I I was there that was that was a wild that was a wild it was called the super uh they ended up doing so much recasting on that show Dash Mihawk from Ray Donovan was the original super and they re- recast him for for some reason um the lead in it, Samantha Mathis, was recast. I think it ended up being Paget Brewster. And Frank Langella, this was when Frank was going out with Whoopi Goldberg, and he wore the uniform. And Wait, probably- Frank Langella and Ted Danson had gone out it, with Whoopi Goldberg? Yes, and they both wore the same uniform when they were going out with her. They wore cowboy boots, jeans, and white shirts unbuttoned at the top. Because apparently that's what would be like to see them in. And, and they both did, if you go back and, and look at photos. But Frank was, I mean, I had no issue with him. I wasn't in that mix. But it, it was interesting. There were, he wouldn't sign his contract because he had issues. He wasn't happy for some reason. I, I remember Pam Fryman directed that. And I remember her going in his trailer and trying to talk to him about things. And that didn't go well. And... Uh, yeah. How did Rob say that all wrapped up? They, there was a letter written, I believe, to them. Yeah, yeah. And he said that he would not do the material as written. And they got, <laughs> well, that's a breach of your contract. So, yeah. bye bye. Yeah. And I bye-bye. think he didn't, he never did sign his contract. So they were saying he wasn't even going to get paid for it, which was probably the right thing because he was. Very difficult. And that said, he's great in the trial of the Chicago Seven. Oh, I just saw that. I I I think he should win an Oscar for it. Frost Nixon, he should have won the Oscar for that. Right. I I really respect him as an actor. He wasn't, it was not a good mix on that show. But I loved working with Rob Long and and Dan Staley, and I did another show with Rob Long. Um, It was that Christine Ebersol show, Sullivan Son. So, do you ever find yourself in a situation where there's jokes that you just cringe at? <laughs> <laughs> and and I bring that up because I noticed that you directed some episodes of Two Broke Girls, which is... I've heard on your podcast that's not one of your favorite that shows. That is not one of my favorite shows. I had a, a, a similar thing early in my directing career. I directed a show called Ask Harriet. That was on Fox. And it was kind of a Tootsie type of thing. Uh Uh-huh. But I got into it with the producers because there were some jokes where I just said, really, guys, come on. Can't we come up with anything better than that? Mm. And uh, and that caused caused some friction, um, which... I don't care. I, I actually ended up because the uh, Fox executive who was overseeing the show witnessed all of this. And then he went over to ABC 
And I started getting work left and right on ABC shows. Wow. Because <laughs> he knew you. Because of this. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, two broke girls. What do I say? Those who know the story are going to say, oh, is she going to talk about it? I, I did several episodes of that show. And it is one of two shows that I've done, both uh, in the last few years, because I've kind of reached a point in my life where it's not that I have fuck you money, but I have enough fuck you money in the bank to say I, I'm not going to sacrifice my soul for a show. But in the Two Broke Girls situation, it wasn't because of the scripts. It, I'm not the audience for that show. I completely agree with you. I thought it was crass. It's not my kind of humor. But cast and crew on Two Broke Girls were some of the best people I've ever worked with. I absolutely love them. I knew where the laughs were supposed to be. So, you know, I tend to do what I I try to do, what Jimmy Burroughs does. And and I play the audience during rehearsals and I'll laugh really loudly. And they probably thought I thought some of those jokes were funny, but I really didn't. But what was the funniest on that show was just working with the actors during rehearsal because they're all super, super funny people. My issue with the show was with uh, the executive producer who had a reputation for not being so nice and a lot of directors said they wouldn't work with him and and didn't uh, or tried it and never went back and told me to be careful. I actually talked to a few of them before I did the show and I was told don't ever think that you can add or subtract, even in rehearsal when somebody needs an entrance like a hello, anything from the script. He wants it word for word, and you will wish the stage floor opened up and sucked you in if you add or subtract a single word. So I kind of knew that going in. I had a guest actress on the show that wasn't even in my episode that called me and said, I heard you're doing the show. Here's what you need to know. And it was all just about how to dance around this executive producer. And strangely, the first couple of episodes were great. And, and I'm really proud of the work I did there. I did some great episodes. Um, I didn't like some of the ways that those shows uh, were required to shoot. For instance, uh, this executive producer said, if my shows are less than 15 minutes long, I'm going to be unhappy. So, you know, a sitcom's only 21 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. And so to shoot an extra 15 minutes on top of that, the scripts were, were... at least 50% longer than any other sitcom script. It, it was so unfair to the actors to have to learn all that. We had to shoot all of that every week that, you know, then you get into post and you cut stuff out and it just ends up being choppy and it just ends up being bad joke after bad joke and you lose a lot of the story and a lot of the heart because, you know, they want to keep in the laughs. So, but, you know, I knew going into the show that it was going to be a handful And the first couple episodes, this person was great. And then he didn't get a pilot picked up over the weekend of my second batch of shows. And he just became this different person. And it's like, uh uh-oh, everybody came up to me. The bad guy is here. And because I was the one person on the set that would come and go being a guest director, you know, you tend to be the brunt of of the hostility that person might be feeling 
and I felt completely disrespected. I ended up at the end of my fourth episode, and I had been booked for more. And I said, listen, if you want to direct these shows, you go ahead and do it, because I am not going to be disrespected like this. And we actually had a confrontation. Um, strangely, it was after the last scene of that show that we shot, and I, you know, we pulled each other off to the side. It was obvious there was tension between us to, to the side of the bleachers, and we were just talking. No one could hear what we said, but there was obviously body language going on, and everybody was painfully aware of how he was treating me. And uh, I didn't know they were holding the curtain call for us. <laughs> And so for, for like 10 minutes, he and I are having at it on the side of the bleachers. And finally, the AD, bless his heart, Anthony Rich, or was it? No, it was the AD came up and said, you know, can we do curtain call? And we didn't know they were waiting. It's like, yes, yes, go, 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 go. And, and I, I, I called my agent. I said, I, I don't want to go back to the show. Come to find out from Anthony Rich, who was on Mom, which was shooting in store. He said, oh, that story is legendary about how you were the one to, to tell him off. And I'm like, well, I, I don't really know how legendary it is. But I will say one of the network executives uh, came up to me afterward and whispered in my ear, you are our hero. And I thought that was... I mean, that was great. And I ended up doing another show with that same network not long after. And, and one of the executives said, we felt really bad about what happened to you on Two Broke Girls. And so we wanted to make sure you came in here to play with us. Uh, so it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with... Uh, anyway. That's, okay, that's now I want to segue to your podcast. Talk uh -huh. a little bit about Mojo Girl Madness. What is Mojo yeah. Girl Madness? It's a mad pod. It's it's hard to describe as as being one tone or one element. It's you know, I've been wanting to do a podcast for about a year and a half and I took a class of this three month course on how to put one together and what equipment to buy and and I've been all ready to do it and I just didn't want to pull the trigger because it's such a vulnerable thing to do to put your voice out there. And my pod is is it's very eclectic. Some of the episodes are just me uh, ranting about something or telling a story. Some of the episodes I interview some, some pretty fascinating people. I interviewed this Cold War spy and FBI agent, Gina Osborne, and I interviewed a sexologist. Yeah, I listened to which, that episode. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah, all the guys listen to that episode. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> every guy that I've spoken to said, oh, I listened to a couple of episodes, the sex one and the divorce one. I'm like, what does that say about these guys? <laughs> but, yeah, so it's super fun. And it's a way during these damn pandemic times when we're not working on sets with all of our creative people – to stay creative. And the, the, what finally made me pull the trigger on it was the producer uh, that I have on the show who is doing all the things that were taking me so long to learn, like the editing and adding in music, was actually the teacher of my podcast course. And she said, you know what? I don't say this to many of my clients, but I would totally produce your show because I think it's going to be really fun. And so she produces my show. She takes care of all the stuff that I needed to, to learn the learning curve, you know, from the web type building to, to all the technical stuff and the editing. And it's been super fun. It's only been about five, six weeks now. 
but this this Sunday's well, I don't know when this your episode's going to air, but um, I, the one I've got coming up is really special to me because my best friend Denise and I did a friend anniversary. We're celebrating our 50 years of friendship. We've been friends since we were toddlers, and we had a big cruise plan this this year to celebrate. And obviously, we're not taking a cruise ever anymore. And so we canceled that, and we just decided to get together for a week in Palm Springs and record stories about our 50 years of friendship. So that's an episode I'm really excited about. So it's all over the place. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I've some great feedback on it. It's been a lot great. of Great. Well, it's available wherever you find your Where? podcast, I'm Mojo sure. Mojo Girl Madness. Katie, thank you so much. This has been great. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's nice to see your face. You don't age. You look a- did 30 years ago it's crazy yeah thank you zoom yes yes (laughs) this has been super thank you so much for for having me on thanks katie okay talk to you soon and thus ends another episode of hollywood and levine coming up next week episode 200 Wow, it's hard to believe I've been doing this now for four years. And, of course, my thanks to you for sticking it out and listening. Also, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce, and Jason Miller. If you want to subscribe, if you haven't, in the first 199, then please do so. And, by the way, if you subscribe, it's not like you have to pay anything. Uh, It's not like you're going to get any emails. Basically, what you're doing is just bookmarking this podcast, so it'll be easier to find the next time you want to listen to one. Okay? Uh, If you want to email me... Easy to do, HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. That's HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. I'm on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. Also on Twitter, at Ken Levine. Episode 200 coming up next week. Hope to see you here. Bye-bye. Hollywood and Levine.